0: A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everyone, welcome back to Walking with Freya. Um before we get into our interview today, which is a wonderful interview about nonviolent communication and conscious parenting, I just wanted to check in with some things. So first off, May, which is coming up, is Prader Willie Awareness Month. Yay! For those of you new to this podcast, that is the diagnosis of my daughter, Freya. And this will be my second May doing the podcast and I'm going to repeat the theme from last year. So I will be publishing an episode every week. (gasps) What? That's like five episodes in a month. Wow. It's a lot of work, but I got this. And of course, the interview will be with people from the PWS community. But please, if that is not your diagnosis don't check out for a month because there are some resources in these interviews that are beneficial to everyone. And of course, all of our stories matter and offer beautiful lessons and moments to feel connected through experience. So I hope everyone stays tuned in and supports our PWS Awareness Month. Two more things on that note. If there is a special time for awareness for your child's diagnosis, then let me know. I will happily help spread the word and education in a way that is fitting to this podcast. So don't be shy. Send me an email and let me know what's up. Also, I am trying to think of ways to honor PWS Awareness Month at my daughter's school. I have not done that yet. If you've been listening, then you know that she is mainstreamed at a sweet little Waldorf school that we totally love. Some of her friends know that she has special needs, but I'm not sure that they know the diagnosis. I've only recently had a conversation with Freya about her diagnosis, and I tried to explain genetics and how we are affected by them to some degree. If you haven't heard that story, I wrote a little bit about it on Instagram, and you can follow me there at Walking (laughs) with Freya. I want to educate without slapping a big pws label on freya in front of her peers so i'm definitely going to share this website as a resource for parents who are interested but if anyone has suggestions on something else maybe ways to educate a bit for her peers give them an opportunity to understand her better i would love to hear your suggestions So you can email those to walkingwithfreya at gmail.com or share them in the secret Walking with Freya Facebook group. If you're not in that group, you can get in it. Uh, You just have to send me a request. You go to the group, send me a request, and if there is an obvious link to the special needs community, then I will add you. I am recording this introduction days before it comes out because tomorrow is spring break. Yay! I usually like to record the night before or, I mean, realistically, the morning of because I I like to keep you all up to date on what's going on in our lives. I'm not sure if that matters to any of you all, but there you go. So I I just want to say I found the Easter Bunny stash of what is going on in the basket, what's going in the baskets on Sunday, and I found painting supplies, a little canvas, and some seed packets, a flower pot, and a cute little fairy statue to accompany it. There was no discussing chocolate treats or sugary candy, so take that, PWS. Holidays do not have to be about food. So we'll call that one a victory, even though it hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Hopefully, it will be a victory. Two more things, and then we'll get to the episode. Uh, My fabulous writer and teacher friend is doing the final edit on the writing journal and that should just be a few weeks and then uh, off we go to publishing. Also, I am asking you personally for a favor. I can see how many downloads the podcast gets. I can't see who downloads. so Don't worry about that. Um, but I can see how many people download and on iTunes, there are 15 reviews for the podcast, and that is way less than the number of people who listen. So if you are enjoying this podcast, listening to these stories, learning the resources, if you have found yourself smiling or contemplating or appreciating, would you please take a moment to leave a review? If you are on an iPhone and you have that purple podcast app, which is the iTunes podcast app. You scroll down towards the bottom where it shows the reviews. It will show you empty stars and you can tap the star you think this deserves. And shortly below that, it says write a review. So you click on that and type away. I would be so grateful. So this podcast is a passion project to use a cliche phrase, but It really is. I love creating this podcast and putting it out into the world. I freaking love the conversations I have every time. I just come away so jazzed and so inspired. So I get get a lot from doing this. And I know that many of you, you've told me how much you benefit from listening. And thank you, by the way, for those emails. I love getting emails from people that I've never met, never heard of, have no connection writing me, Facebook messaging me, or messaging me on Instagram, all of those telling me how this podcast has helped you on your journey. So if you feel inspired to send one of those, that's great. I love reading those. They always make me cry. <laughs> so, um, but the point is, I love doing this podcast, but it is a lot of work. And honestly, if I could figure out how to ethically make money doing this, that would be fantastic. And part of that is to get sponsors. Now, please know that I would only try to get for sponsors that I think you would appreciate or benefit from and or benefit from. (laughs) But I need the numbers documented. I need the downloads, the subscribers, the reviews, all of those things that I annoyingly ask for every episode. Those numbers show certain people that this podcast is relevant even though I know absolutely how relevant this podcast is. If it's only relevant to a hundred of you that are listening, that's still relevant because what we're getting out of this is, I think, so beneficial. And I think it's important to spread the word. So there is a game to be played at times, and I am asking for your help to play this game. I am grateful to all of you for being here with me on this journey, so thank you. Now, let's get past the business and into the interview. So just yesterday, I had a fantastic conversation with Diana. She is a woman who started her work in midwifery studies and doula care and found she was called to be more expansive. So she created and teaches a curriculum for conscious parenting, and from there she has also begun a holistic coaching practice. In our conversation, we spoke about nonviolent communication at its foundation, the intention to connect. We talked about the importance of recognizing our needs and our own personal responsibility towards meeting those needs and understanding that people can get needs met without others losing something. She brings the lessons of conscious parenting into the conversation as NVC sometimes falls a little short with children. Diana also stressed the importance of self-care, as she puts it, being well-resourced. Bad communication and unhealthy interactions often occur when we do not have basic needs met. In these moments, we should halt, H-A-L-T, and ask ourselves, are we hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? We talked about what self-care looks like while acknowledging that parents of children with special needs have a much harder time carving out that space so hopefully we offer some helpful suggestions. This episode is meant to be an introduction to what I think are valuable resources for our day-to-day experiences, and in the conversation I bring in a few of my own personal experiences with Freya lately, which many in the world of special needs will understand, but this conversation is really for anyone. Nonviolent communication has been a wonderful addition to my life and to the life of, of hundreds of thousands of people around the world, if not more. And though I am just beginning to invite it into my world, the effects have already been felt. So I urge you to check out some of these resources in the show notes to learn more about this technique. If you have access to YouTube, then check out some of Marshall Rosenberg's videos. He uses puppets. <laughs> And he has since passed away, but there are some great clips from talks that he has done in the past, and my husband and I have been watching a lot of them and and really getting a lot out. So with all that being said, I just uh, hope that everyone has a beautiful, peaceful, inspiring spring, and that you have sweet family time, and that you all get a break, and you have time to fill up your own resources, and... Hopefully in some way this podcast helps. So don't forget, I will be back in two weeks with, oh no, I'll be back when this, oh God. Okay. When this episode comes out, I will be back the next week. So I guess six weeks in a row. Okay, here we go. I got this. Six weeks. We got, you got me for the next six weeks every week. Yay. Okay. Um, so have a beautiful spring and I will be back here soon. Okay. Thanks for being here. Diana, thank you for being here. Um, Would you, can we just start with you telling us who you are and the work that you do so um, we know where we're going? Sure, I hope I can
1: say that succinctly. (laughs) Well, my name is Diana Miser and um, I I started out, actually, I trained to be a home birth midwife, but have um, practiced as a doula uh, for this, about 22 years, and that was really the, the beginning of, um, of my, my work. Um, my clients had um, requests for more support after they had their babies. I have a conscious parenting practice that I teach classes and work with parents individually And, um, also I have a holistic coaching practice. So I work, um, with people with their own personal growth work and interpersonal relationships and communication, but it all started with around birth and, Mm -hmm. um, birth work and support. Um, but, uh, I don't know how much you want to but the 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 conscious parenting work was born out of that, and then the holistic coaching out of out of that, so mm-hmm. people just keep calling me a little bit for <laughs> a little bit further, a little more out of my comfort zone, a little bit more like, how about this? Well, can you do this for us, and how about this? And so anyway, it's been oh, nice. amazing and um yeah, I have an office in Eureka, and um so the conscious parenting work is that like workshops,
0: or what is that? Like?
1: Yeah, so I created um. I created a curriculum about 10 years ago because I was unsatisfied with, uh, with what I saw out there for parents. It was really focused on behavior modification mm-hmm. and I felt that we had such a tall order for parents. Um, the, the tools were great, but if, if the parent was hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, which spells halt um, then like you know the best tool isn't going to work and we had gotten to a place in our culture where we realized that punishment was not yielding great results but we were still so punitive about parents and really shaming parents and you know we're all parenting in a post therapy age so we know our kids are going to be sitting on the therapist couch someday, <laughs> complaining about us, and we're just trying our hardest not to fuck them up. I hope I can say no, that. No, that's totally fine. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. And we know they are, we are going to do that, and they and and so it's such this pressure. Um, so I felt like um, there needed to be and, and parenting was so much more about just behavior modification and the child's behavior. It's where we come into ourselves as human beings, and mm-hmm. it's it's conflict that opens us up to growth and depth, and so. Um, So I created a a curriculum and originally my conscious parenting practice consisted of, um, you know, book groups in my living room. And then I created this curriculum and I teach it in workshops and classes. And then I work with people through the steps, um, as you know, in individual sessions as well. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's probably very well received. Um,
1: yeah, people love it. Um, I'm lucky. I have a really great supportive community. Uh, actually, originally this started because um I had a client who became a friend, who is a Montessori teacher, and um we uh, I had shared with her um nonviolent communication. The whole thing started with nonviolent communication for me. My mm-hmm. oldest um, daughter turned two, and I was. Like, uh, I, um, I'm i going to become a yeller. Like, what's, <laughs> that's totally not what I wanted. I had this very clear picture of the parent that I wanted to be, and it was high. It was way up here, and then who I was able to be in the moment was, mm-hmm. you know, not that. And then if I was any of those things I mentioned earlier, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, it was at the bottom of the barrel. So um, I was searching for ways to... Um, be more of the parent that I wanted to be and combat the guilt and shame. And, um, that comes along with parenting when you just don't know what you're doing and you get pushed to your limits. And that really Mm -hmm. hadn't come up for me with my daughter until she started like toddling into the street, you know, like, how do you keep them from doing things that are going to, how do you just keep them alive without, you know, losing your shit? Right. So, um, that was, I was unprepared for that, for that shift. And so, um... I was just, disg- and I felt like people weren't really talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> a, a friend of mine and I were chatting and Marshall's book with the sunflower was on uh, <laughs> this and we were like, maybe that's what we need, a nonviolent kid. It was almost like a joke, you know? Right. Like, we're going to become yellers or be this, you know, here they had this peaceful home birth and the family bed and marching the peace march and my kid is like whacking the neighbor kid with the truck, you know, in the head. Like, where is this coming from? So anyway, um, that that was the beginning, and I um, was super inspired by Marshall's work, but it felt very overwhelming in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and I just didn't really... It was such a perspective shift for me. I needed um, some other kind of help, so I was able to actually find a teacher and, and work with them and do a training and assist in some trainings, and so I've been studying nonviolent communication that whole time, too, I guess, about <clears throat> maybe... 14 years I'm 14 okay 14 years yeah.
0: so um well I guess I've I mean is it so it gets easier than, obviously right like the more you use with it with the
1: nonviolent communication in your own life like um I think that the meaning of life is change through relationship that's I think one of the quotes and I don't know I one of the non communication books um it's like relationships are meant to stretch us and they, and it's, it, we get uncomfortable. Mm. So, um, I feel like more and more, like this is a practice that will be my lifetime's work. And I get to, it's kind of like healing work. Like you heal to the edge of the light, which you can see, and then you know, the light moves up and you see another layer and you heal to that, the edge of that layer. So I think the same is true for when we're working on, um, our interpersonal relationship skills. Like it is a lifetime's work. It is the Everest of personal growth. (laughs) So, um, so I feel like I have a relationship that feels like home to me. I've been with my partner for 22 years. We've been through all kinds of ups and downs in that, in that time. But, um, you know there's frustrations and times when I you know lose it and don't feel you know and feel unsatisfied or feel like he's not hearing me but we have a path uh, to get back and we have Mm. a lot of clarity and honesty in, in our relationship and so it's like yeah I guess it gets easier and I know the the ways to get clear faster than I see other people kind of muddling in the not you know i think that's what they use me for to come in and get some clarity on like what's going on mm-hmm. and um you know even i'm on a board and this morning uh, <laughs> the communications that were going on on a specific um you know you get more perspective you can see you don't get to you don't get a get a jail free card to escape the, the the trickiness and the stickiness of interpersonal relationships and life because that it would defeat the purpose like we have to kind of be uncomfortable in order to grow. Mm-hmm. So that still happens, but I'm more aware of my feeling life and my needs and my values and how to set that balance right again mm-hmm. quicker. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I mean, I've, I've been with
0: my husband now, um, almost, it'll be 16 years this summer. Um, we've only been married three, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. But that is one of the things that you realize, I think, when you're in a long-term relationship, it's not that it's just you're going to reach this day where you're like, oh, oh, it's easy now, mm-hmm. we've got this. But that that you you develop this faith that mm-hmm. <clears throat> through experience that you will that you do know how to crawl out of these mm-hmm. these holes that you get yourselves into, and yeah. And yeah, if you can do it faster and kinder Mm -hmm. when it happens. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and I think one of the things that is so important about all of our, all of our lives, but particularly parenting relationship is to just be open to noticing what it is that we're wanting to create, um, as we grow. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, um, you know, just knowing, and, and I think it's helpful to know like what you want out of each relationship, what you want your home to feel like, what you want your relationship to feel like. And, um, and then you can work toward that and you can co-create that. But I think that I, I really pay attention to what is it that, I, that I'm that i wanting mm-hmm. and what is it that I'm needing and how can I be creative in bringing that in uh, mm-hmm. for myself and for the highest good of my relationship and my family. So I think you just get more adept at doing that, but the work continues. Like mm-hmm. We don't just get to arrive and the be like, kick back and be like, sweet, okay, <laughs> here I am. And I, I like to be very transparent about that because – I have been a student and teacher for so long. Um, I think that's one of the things people like most about my conscious parenting work is I'm very authentic and I'm transparent. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe in experts. I think that is such a bullshit... I I don't even know why anyone... I'm considered that, I guess, at this point. But I feel like a perpetual student and I anticipate I will be that for the rest of my life. And I think it's important that people see what it looks like for your teacher, for your mentor. Mm -hmm. And I think there's been a lot of dishonesty in, in the way we've been taught. We think our teacher is going to have it all figured out and this is how it's going to be. But right. when you spend any time around any of these teachers or mentors, you realize that they're real people just like the rest of us are mm-hmm. and just to start getting really clear and normalize what it looks like to um, to be in the messy, the beautiful mess of our lives. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, okay.
0: So before, I have so many questions. Before we go um any deeper i think that a lot of people don't know what nonviolent communication is i actually i was telling my mom recently that um i mentioned that Andy and i were starting to do this nonviolent communication training mm-hmm. and she said she got really quiet she said why have you been <laughs> getting violent with each other right <laughs> and I was right like, no right i mean no like you know we're not being very kind to each other which is you know it depends on how you look at it but Um, so if we could just if you wouldn't mind like is there a way to like just kind of um, you know give the basic
1: foundation of nonviolent communication sure I can do that um, absolutely in what it means to me and what I interpret it like all I think everyone has their own interpretation but to the best of my knowledge and what I understand that Marshall's intentions around nonviolent communication were um, you know he um, grew up in Detroit when there were race riots and he was um, you know, acutely aware of the, uh, nonviolent movement that Gandhi and, um, Martin Luther King were out there, um, perpetuating. And he was inspired by that. So in the word nonviolence comes from that, like, how do we create really deep, meaningful change with our, in our highest values without violence, like with, without engaging and perpetuating further violence. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So that was yeah. kind of the root was the nonviolent civil disobedience, the nonviolent that that kind of um, moving moving the needle forward in issues without war, or and and not just without war, but without the violence that we inflict on each other um, by the subtle aggressions in mm-hmm. our communications with blame and criticism and those sorts right. of things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So absolutely. so um. So I feel like that's the seat of nonviolent communication. He was also a psychologist, a therapist, and he um, kind of got out of that world. Um, he didn't like the checking the boxes and um, diagnosing people in a very static way and understood um, uh, the our human condition as a, as a more fluid uh, experience. And so um, nonviolent communication has lots of room and lots of space. Um, the 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 Rumi quote um, out beyond all ideas of right doing and wrongdoing there is a field Mm -hmm. and I'll meet you there that's the field of nonviolent communication that we really kind of try to strip all of our our judgments and evaluations and ideas and preconceptions away and we come into this kind of sacred space Mm -hmm. of just meeting in 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 this this void right and 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 really trying to see each other and our wholeness and look toward our common goals and our, our own needs and um, and coming up with win-win solutions so that nobody loses. And that's that, that nonviolence piece at all, like not taking from anyone. So not necessarily thinking about it as domestic violence or physical <laughs> violence, but the violence of not, not mm-hmm. being connected. And, and that really is the intention of nonviolent con- communication is to connect. Not to control, not to assert a certain outcome, but to connect. So, right. regardless of all the ways that we use to kind of speak NVC or nonviolent communication, um, it's that intention to connect. If your intention is to connect, then then you are you're in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Because the way because I have
0: like I said, I'm just kind of I have like a rudimentary beginning understanding. One mm-hmm. of the things that has really stuck out to me is ident- the identifying of your need and the other person's mm-hmm. need and not reacting to the comment or the situation, but being able to, or even like the comments or the, <clears throat> you know, those initial thoughts that you have yourself, but looking deeper, like why am I reacting this way? What is yeah. the need that is not getting met? Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny, my husband and I have been, you know, like checking in with each other, like, you know, when things get a little, Worked up. It has been peaceful around here since we started this, but there a few things have come up, and it's been like, okay, wait a second. What is your need? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, we have we joke about it. (laughs) We say, you know, like. Um, I have a really strong need for you to not be a jerk. Right, yeah.
1: right. So, <laughs> so you know how that works, right? So, so that's such a great example. So um, if we're going to talk about needs, I don't know if this is the time to talk about needs or not. I mean, I, I don't know if I
0: sidetracked you from where you
1: were going. No, this. I, I, I'm, I'm totally, this is, I think it's evolving perfectly. Okay. So needs are an interesting thing. Um, and, and we know that it's, so needs are shared by all people all over the world in order for it to be a need it has to be something that all people share so like i need so if i if i say like i need you to eat broccoli to my child right is that really a need no no cuz do all people all over the world need their child to eat broccoli no. no so it might be a different need so what what would be the need the the strategy is for my child to eat broccoli the strategy mm. would be for you not to be a jerk that would
0: my strategy <laughs> of getting my
1: need for blank gets met by you not being a jerk. So mm-hmm. my need for whatever that is, peace, respect, mm-hmm. consideration, um, you know, there could be many different needs and often one will flow to the surface or be kind of more important. But but that does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's the
0: thing that came up for me, you know, that really clarified it was, or that I was able to clarify was, you know, I need to, I, and we have, you know, very, um, I mean, we have three kids and, like, mm-hmm. you know, different lives. And so I I just said, you know, I re- I need to connect with you. I need mm-hmm. more companionship. Mm-hmm. And that was all I needed to say. And then it was, mm-hmm. you know, ever since then, like, we've really been able to, mm-hmm. to get there. Because who, I mean, what a great need to have from somebody, or, you it, know? Yeah,
1: those are one of those are two, you know, the core needs. So in um, Jane Nelson's... Um, positive discipline work um, which I'm also trained in she talks a lot about some of the core and, and and Marshall talks about this too like the need for significance and belonging mm-hmm. um, and connection is so strong in people that it will actually, if they're not getting it in the home or in positive ways, that's what fuels them and to do some of the most atrocious, you know, uh, violent acts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that are perpetuated by gangs, for instance. That's a, right. that's a need for belonging and significance. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. So, so those, are, those are the name of the game of nonviolent communication is how can we get our needs met with the least amount of fallout to ourselves or anybody else?
0: Mm-hmm. Does that make
1: sense? Like mm-hmm. so I can, and 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 that we really do hold this belief that I can get my need met without you losing anything. And mm-hmm. you can get your need met without me losing anything. Mhm. And in fact, we wouldn't want you to get your need met with you losing something because then I will always pay the price. Mhm. Right? And that's that act of that's that little seed of violence that and to to take something from you to meet. Right. Me. Does yeah. Makes sense. Mhm. So this is where I think
0: maybe it gets tricky because I did want to talk about, I mean, I, I, I'm hoping this is a good resource for the listeners of this podcast because we are a population that um, statistically has higher divorce rates. Sure. Um, so that is one aspect. But then the other aspect, which I think is going to be much harder <laughs> to mm-hmm. implement is how we parent children that are not typically developing that have brain chemistry that yeah. kind of sets them up to not have empathy or to have yeah. meltdowns or so like, I would really like to kind of dive into mm-hmm. that. Like how, um, cause I, cause I was telling you, I went to that conference and I, and we talked a lot about empathy and um, I actually get to interview that woman for this podcast. Nice. So that'll be great. So I don't need to go into it too much, but just the, what I learned about the empathy and having these moments with Freya um, where she is so upset mm-hmm. and using just empathy of just, I hear you Freya. I mm-hmm. hear you and seeing how she calms down and seeing at work, which is such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, as I was doing that, I wasn't getting to read to my other daughter. Mm-hmm. And so not everybody's needs were getting met mm-hmm. and, it's hard to get Freya to understand that there are other needs. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'm kind of spreading out now with the question, but, um, so just, I hear you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think,
1: I think I hear you. It's, and, and I think maybe, um, a few, a few things, um, I think there's also in this question embedded, like how do you keep going when there's something, there's a person in in our lives that is unable or unwilling, right. and and how how do we? Is that part of yeah, this too? Yeah, yeah. How yeah? How can we? Mm-hmm.
0: If you know, if the intention is for everybody to get their needs met, but mm-hmm. then you're interacting with someone who is maybe not willing or not capable of yeah. meeting you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that just a sacrifice of parenting these kids?
1: <laughs> well, and, and it's not just in parenting these kids, right? Like in, in the in the larger scheme of, of life and relationships, it will commonly happen that there will be people who, for whatever reason, are not able to go there with you, mm-hmm. um, either even in that moment or ever, right? So um, Marshall was really clear with nonviolent communication that it was not necessary for, for the other other person to be trained or to to be engaging in that that it could be just one person in your most primary relationships I feel like that is it that's where it gets tricky like it it would be and and I I would not be able to to um, exist in a primary relationship where I didn't have some of these basic, um, agreements and needs around communication and how we relate met, but in the world, I can't dictate that. Mm -hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, um, in parenting children like this, um, I think that a couple things come to the surface. First of all, um, you will want to be as well resourced as you possibly can. So this is where the curriculum that I created came in, comes in this awareness of self care of self and awareness of child and care of child. So um, in the classes that I teach and the individual work that I do, I I am really heavy on the awareness of self and care of self, which is frustrating for parents sometimes when they come into my class (laughs) or my practice and they're focusing on themselves. They thought they were going to focus on their kid and fix their kid's behavior. And I'm asking them to really go inward within themselves. Mm -hmm. So um, becoming aware of what your hot buttons and your triggers are, what your feelings and your needs are, what stories you have about the situation, your child, yourself is really helpful in, um, priming the pump for knowing what you need to do to, um, be well-resourced and take care of yourself. So, so um, when
0: you say well-resourced, what do you mean? Just like make sure that self-care, you're care,
1: right? So, um, I really put a lot of emphasis on self-care in my in my classes so that I want people to be thinking of things that they can do you know daily weekly seasonally um for their body heart and mind um things that you can also do that cost no money require no babysitter that you can do an emergency just walk outside look at the sky take a deep breath whatever Mm -hmm. it is but something to resource yourself obviously meditation and exercise and healthy food like those are the that's like the holy trinity like it really is like and I try to scoot or skirt those time to time and I fall flat on my space every time Mm -hmm. I try like those three Um, and as moms and women who are doers and workers and givers like those those three just have to be somehow non-negotiable that we make sure to nourish ourselves deeply in our bodies and have a place for our stuff to go with moving our bodies and connecting to source or stillness like you know in nature like that that just has to those have to find their way somewhere the rest do it in your own in your own your own way and um but but so marshall's really clear about how the first step with needs is understanding that um, we are responsible for meeting our own needs we can ask someone if they would be willing to do something to meet our need but our need is actually our responsibility And, um, if that person is not able to meet our need without taking something from themselves, then we need to find another way of getting that need met so that means we need to be very clear and um, you know I think we talked earlier about not getting addicted to a single strategy of getting a need met that um, Marshall was very clear when you start doing this work you open up to oh my gosh I had no idea how many needs there are it's <laughs> overwhelming like really um, I came from Portuguese dairy farmers, and so for me, like food, shelter, sleep, what, you know, like that's what, what, there's more than that, and there's so much more than that, and when you start realizing, oh, I have needs to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, um, for beauty and order and peace, and, um, you know, there's so many needs, um, that it, but, but the strategies are infinite, and so once we identify that we have a need, that's our job to figure out how to get it met, Yeah. It's kind of a tall order, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. But but it's also empowering. It is. When you look at it that way. And it's also important to note that um, at the basis of his work, uh, Marshall felt that the story he told, like there's two stories generally that get told to us about human beings. One that's pretty pervasive is that human beings are essentially bad and they need to be controlled. Mm -hmm. And the other is that human beings are essentially good and they have an innate desire to contribute to each other's well-being. And I believe the second one, and that's what he believed also, I believe the strongest impulse is to, um, to contribute to each other's well-being. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that actually if I have a need, you would want to help me meet it because that's so, that's just what's in us. So if there's a blockage there or something else going on, um that that just means that person needs to come to their own their own center and 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 they will in time and we can get our need met in a different way until that person is able to to come back to their to their center. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm thinking like um in cases like with Freya cuz she does want to she wants to belong yeah. and be included yeah. and and do what is, you know, I don't know how to say that. I don't know I was going to say do what's right. But, you know, do what is good for mm-hmm. the moment and the family. Yeah. And it's just trickier to get to her at mm-hmm. times. And so, yeah, I guess
1: that's where the, the skills come in and well, trying the different. So let's just also add this caveat that Marshall also realized that the need for autonomy is so strong in all human beings that if we begin to feel that we are being forced or someone is demanding something of us, since mm. you probably understand that term if you've been studying, the difference between requests and demands. Mm-hmm. So if whatever it is that we are requesting or asking comes off as a demand, we can pretty much assume it's going to be a no from the other person. And that demand, if they feel even like we need them to do this for us, like it just becomes, it strips them of their ability to choose. Um, and that ability to choose, uh, is, that that's autonomy, and that's that's, that's like a number one they'll dig a heel in just for mm-hmm. just even if they would like to meet that need you know <laughs> that that it's a it's a, it's a human instinct mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah so that's why we want to really get clear on knowing that it's being super accountable for our needs and knowing we're simply asking that person if they would help us
0: hmm
1: with that and if they don't then we know we're gonna we have other ways to get that need met it takes that that stickiness of that pull like you have to do this for me and then I'm not going to because you're making me think, right? Do you know? Yeah. And I, I just want to say too, with nonviolent communication, um, there are limitations with children. We all had Marshall was so awesome and clear that like children are people, and so he wasn't going to make a different method for them, which mm-hmm. is awesome. But they also do need support in a different way, and they need, they have higher needs for play than adults do. We still have the need for play, but it just shows up differently in children and I think they also have a higher need for leadership and to Mm -hmm. not be too um, responsible for um, they're still working on emotional you know awareness and literacy within themselves Um, and we don't want to call on too much of that before it's ready to develop in them or it's burdensome Mm
0: -hmm. you know and
1: can add to stress so so Um, I use NVC in my practice primarily as a tool for my own self-awareness and understanding and self-care and to inform my interactions with others, Um, but I think that expecting you know, I and I have definitely taught my children about you know feelings and needs and and all this, but but there's some limited capacity when you're working with kids and anyone mm-hmm. who might be listening to this who has worked with NBC with kids, uh, there's times when it works amazingly well, and there are times when it's just overwhelming to the child's nervous system to make the choice or think you know, and and we need to just do it for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Marshall was very very cautious with what he called the protective use of force, where you would force a solution or force an outcome. And as parents, um, we are going to be called to that more often, in my opinion. There's probably a lot of different opinions in the NDC community Mm -hmm. um, about that. But for me personally, I feel like children do have a need for their parents to be a leader and make choices and make decisions for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm seeing a lot of leadership vacuum in homes where well-meaning parents end up putting more pressure on their children. Um, in, in the in trying to on it always comes from us trying to honor them, mm-hmm. but it's okay in my mind for and, and actually beneficial for the child sometimes for us to make a decision and um and yeah just 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 do that out of benevolent leadership. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Mhm. Yeah, one of the things I talk about with um, my daughter's syndrome is like because they do have a strong need for autonomy. Mhm. Um, but they're not necessarily depending on you know the person or the age or where they are they're not necessarily able to really have that and so one of the ideas is to give them choices yeah. just two choices yes but it's like two choices that you can live with yeah you know so that's
1: yeah so that strategy is called limited choice right the, the limited choice strategy and the reason we and we use that and we also want to just make sure that we don't overuse that because it's it just it's mm. it's, it's, it's um how do you say it's it really like so choice ends up being an irritant in the nervous system over time like it, when you you can okay. only be on vacation for a certain amount of time because you have to make choices about everything right everything's different you're like where do i eat what are we doing this where are we da, 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 da. And, and it's great and then but you, you know how that feeling like you just can't wait to be home yeah part of that is because the brain craves the ability to just have some automatic non-thinking behaviors hmm. and so it's okay to kind of have like yep nope that's just the way it is I'm going mm-hmm. to choose this time. You could choose next time. And they can have their feelings about it, but you know, and you can support mm-hmm. it. But, um, you also want to ha- use your inner knowing of when that thing, where, you know, where they, where they are, right.
0: um, and
1: what's going to put gasoline in the fire and make it this huge thing that you can't bring back into balance and where, you know, where they need that, that leadership coming from you as like, this is the way it is this time. And, and it's okay. We can, you're going to be okay, mm-hmm. you know, and, and handling the fallout from that, um, or, Offering the choices, and and both are totally. Do, do you know why I bring that up? You, sometimes it's just that sometimes choices are too much. Yeah, and yeah, we're looking absolutely. at what's adding to the too muchness in a child who's overwhelmed. hmm.
0: Well, and I and I come from um, you know the the parenting style of or how, you know how I was it mm-hmm. was you know because I said so. Uh-huh. Oh, my mom? My mm-hmm. dad because we said so. Mm -hmm. And I love my parents and I think they Mm -hmm. did a great job parenting Mm -hmm. me. And I, and there's still like a lot of how they parented me that comes out Mm -hmm. and how I parent. And, and it's hard to let go of. And some of it, I think, you know, I need, I am trying to be more um, open and, and uh, change certain things. But there are other things that I I do believe in. I think that they definitely did right Mm -hmm. in parenting and, um, and it's all just kind of like has to get tossed aside mm-hmm. with Freya. Like mm-hmm. she is really stretching my my parenting learning, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I imagine that, and that's my experience. And mm-hmm. I imagine mm-hmm. a lot of parents with kids, you know, on the autism spectrum, and yeah. you know, with with a variety of of behavior issues or yeah. emotional issues. I yeah. mean, so. Uh, what's the question there? Just like how, I mean, how how do we step up to this? You know, mm-hmm. like sh- kind of shed these, these parenting skills that we believe in to mm-hmm. to parent our children the way they need to be parented. I don't know if that's yeah. a question that can even be answered. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, I think that um, I think what I'm hearing, I think I think what I'm hearing is um that each generation is going to reach a limitation of the, what the parenting skills that were used to parent us right and we're we're here to kind of move to expand mm-hmm. right and so so because i said so while there are certain things that it may have um may have been beneficial it, it doesn't sit quite right with you mm-hmm. it doesn't sit quite right with this with this time. Um, and, and yet maybe you, you're noticing like there's some things that were great about the way I was raised, but I, it doesn't, this doesn't translate in the situation. Is that what I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like we really do get to pick and choose and and see how we show up in each situation. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I, I wouldn't feel, I think that because I said so, um, when I think about the, the way that sounds and the way that that feels, it's like the parent can't handle their own emotional response to your emotional response and they just, it's a shutdown, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's, I'm too busy or I can't handle this and da-da-da-da. And, and that's going to happen sometimes. Like, we can have grace and compassion with that and we don't have to be 100% on 100% of the time. It's just not, it's not feasible. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so, um, but um, but being able to, own that in your own way of just like, you know, I see why you want to do it this way. I'm going to, this is a mama choice or I'm going to make this choice today mm-hmm. that that this is what we're doing right now. It's you're knowing and honoring that it's, you know, there's, there's times we do it their way. There's times we do it our way and you mm-hmm. know, helping learn how to go with the flow and helping to, you know, there's so much talk right now about developing the skill, you know, grit, like being able to do hard things, being able to not have our own way, the strength of will that comes through, um, you know, will our will forces are what enable humans to do these fantastic feats. And then our will, um, you know, when it's in a weakened point or in that kind of like, I need my way and I need it now, that's actually a a weak a weakened will state and not a truly strong will state of like I can withstand the disappointment here or the difficulties here and I'm going to move through this with my will. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Like, so you're help, we're helping our children like develop that muscle, that grit of like, yeah, I know this is so hard for you and you are going to be so mad about this and you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like if we do our own work and we really, like a lot of this you know, not to be too woo woo, but it's energetic. It's, it's It's grounding. It's like figuring and, and we are their grounding because they, mm-hmm. they need us to be that. Right. So we do that so they can, they can utilize ours until they develop their own. Um, but so, so when I hear that, you know, this is, um, you know, I don't know if you can see that difference between you know noticing when I think sometimes parent we are reactive to the way that we were raised and like I don't want to do that and then we kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater instead of maybe sitting with it and figuring out how we can own a new um, a new version of that.
0: Right. Well, I like how you said it because it's not because um, I do get it that there are times where it's just because I said so. Yeah. Because this is what's safe. Yeah. Because this is what we have to do, but so what you are bringing into it is acknowledging yeah that they have an opinion or mm-hmm. that they have a desire or a need And you could
1: be right even and when you have children of your own you might make a different choice but for me right now i have to use my best wisdom in this moment and that's telling me this mm-hmm. and i am sorry you don't like it but i also know like you're tough you can do this you know yeah, <laughs> like yeah. like that's kind of the you know what i mean like that's just the and allowing yourself to be wrong maybe you made the wrong choice that's okay. Mm-hmm. They can make the wrong choice too. Like, we don't have to have it all figured out. Like, but, but knowing how to like, just call upon your own will forces when necessary and helping them to strengthen their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. That's outside of the nonviolent communication realm. And I don't know how people who are, okay. you know, I mean, it's like we all Marshall gave a lot of leeway for, for people and working with his, um, with, with, with his work, um, You know that we we all and it's good to you know connect with different different people who are practicing and training because we're all gonna have like a different different lens but just from my own experience working with my children and the children in my practice um, you know NVC just there was just a few limitations um, with it with with children that I think we're refining and perhaps there's conversations like that happening in the NVC community that Mm -hmm. I'm not aware of but um, But it doesn't take away at all from the... I mean, an NVC literally has exploded since I first started studying it. It it is... I can see these... It's thrilling to me. these like mm-hmm. invisible fingers that are just kind of or these little roots that are just spreading all over into our school systems and policies. And like it's happening. Yeah. it's happening. these concepts of restorative justice and uh, f- and f- emotional literacy and looking at needs and win-win solutions. Mm-hmm. like that's Marshall's work. It's happening all over the place. Um, but with these the finer points of nonviolent communication, I just wanted to kind of put that caveat out there of where okay. it could be tricky with kids and that they could they sometimes it's okay to just. Be the parent right yeah <laughs> well and like you said I mean I
0: see it in Freya's school and granted she goes to a Waldorf school mm-hmm. but you know I, I um I wrote up all these notes from this conference that I went to and I gave it to her teacher and it was so funny and just kind of an eye-opener for me of of how much I have to learn because for me it was mind-blowing all mm-hmm. of this like how to be you know empathetic mm-hmm. in those moments and and how to say the right thing and and then you know talking about these notes with their teacher and her teacher was like oh I, I feel good because I do I do this stuff anyway mm-hmm. this is all what I do and I was like wow really god <laughs> what kind of a parent am I like
1: <laughs> well we all are awakening at our own pace I've actually worked with those teachers so oh, okay, i nice. done some trainings there too so which is great and um that that we're all yeah and it is just growing and growing but we we have to like really just trust and have um compassion for ourselves and others that we are all arriving where we need to be you know Mm -hmm. when when we're when we're available to it (laughs) you know when we're available to that knowledge coming in so
0: and that moment that I had with Freya that was so eye-opening of sitting there on the floor and saying I hear you I hear you was such a profound moment for me, but it was also an easy moment because it was a Friday night. Mm-hmm. I had nowhere to go. There was no yeah. schedule. Yeah. So something happened the other day in the classroom. And this is why I was asking if like, maybe there, if it was addressed, like how to really call upon this in times of like stress. But the word you use uh, was trigger mm-hmm. and yeah. story. <clears throat> and so I think that's what happened to me, but I was in the classroom. They were getting ready to go on their nature walk. Mm-hmm. And all the kids are lined up, and Freya's sitting on the floor putting rain boots on without socks, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I'm like, oh my God, she's going to get blisters. But I wasn't about to tell her she couldn't wear the boots Mm because I knew, knew where that would go. All I said was, okay, I'll carry your tennis shoes. And she didn't want me to. She was not okay with that. And she started getting worked up. She started getting mad at me. She started, like, tears started coming, and... The um the class was all standing there looking at her, and so I was just talking about this with my friend on the beach, and she's the one who actually used the word trigger, and so like when you brought that up, but I mean I was I was embarrassed by Freya's behavior. Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed that I couldn't just get her to do mm-hmm. what I needed her to do. Um, I, like it. I was I got so instantly emotionally yeah. charged, mm-hmm. and I had to just get up and walk away, mm-hmm. and the class left without her. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know why this worked and I know that it's probably not whatever, but so it was just Fran and I sitting mm-hmm. there and I was and she just was just sitting there just in full on stubbornness mm-hmm. and I didn't know what else to do. So I gave in to my need to cry. Mm-hmm. I sat there and I just started crying. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she saw me crying, she stopped. Mm hmm whatever she was doing you know I think she was crying or she was you know just mm-hmm. bitching or whatever mm-hmm. and she stopped and she reached for her sock mm-hmm. and so I just turned my back to her and I was and I started looking at the little chicks they had in the room mm-hmm. and by the time I turned around she had her socks and boots on and she was ready to go and mm-hmm. didn't say another word about the shoes mm-hmm. Um. so like so it, I don't know if there are any tips for or if that just goes back to the the know your resource or being, you know, mm-hmm. well resourced. Um, how do you, how do you work through those triggers? I guess, mm-hmm. God, I'm all over love the it. place. <laughs> no, you're good. No,
1: <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I, that there's an energetic shift that happens when we, I think that, you know, when we cry or when there's something you know, like the child notices, Oh, uh, like, Oh, they they feel like this shift right mm-hmm. and it's like oh okay i see this is really important or i've got it. The, the need for them to then stabilize their environment <laughs> meaning you Me- <laughs> uh, supersedes their need for autonomy and independence in that moment mm. does that make sense yeah so so was it manipulative changes.
0: on my part like was um, that like no a- i
1: mean we wouldn't i think you know my personal opinion is that um I think that we don't want our children feeling responsible for our emotions, mm. but we don't want to be emotionless, and that there is, I also, my my view of parenting is that there is a wide girth, like seriously, th- there is so much room and space for us to make mistakes and, you know, just experiment and show up in different ways, um, but I think that that was that was your truth in that moment. Mm. You had tried everything, you you know, you were, and, and you were embarrassed, you were overwhelmed. You and I, were, I, I tried, yeah. I
0: tried the NVC at first, like yeah. I tried like, oh, I hear you, but we're going to do this. Or, yeah. yeah. And it just, no, she yeah. was just getting more worked yeah. up.
1: Yeah. So there isn't anything to do in that moment, except for to kind of surrender, you know, mm. to it. And, um, and so, but also when that, during that surrender, then it becomes her choice. Mm-hmm. right like so she was still it was her you know she right so um the space too for that like those are those i call it like the those, those are flashpoints when you have to be somewhere fast or people are watching or mm-hmm. you know like that's that's the shit show moments right my, that, like that's you know those are my worst parenting moments you know i just like let's do this quick let's just go you know whatever they, they feel that and it just all goes to hell so um yeah, that, that, that's, um, I can't remember what the question was, but that's my, my feeling about those moments. So yes, I think that, well, I just want to you know, say um, that would be one of the reasons why using the classical NVC talk with kids is, li- is potentially not as helpful, is mm-hmm. we don't want our children being responsible for our feelings. Okay. We do want our children to know that we have feelings, but we want to be able to use that sparingly. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. And also just um because our main job is to create a safe container for them. Um but we can also like let them let them know. I mean I yeah, I have I have some kind of um I, I think that that situation needed to happen. Um I think that it, it's it's fi- it's fine that it happened and we are so all of us are so resilient I think the worst thing we could do um, in, in parenting with all the knowledge and, and experts that we have coming to the fore right now is to have it um, stunt us or make us, you know, like paralyze us because we don't know what to do or we want to do it right so much that we, you know, so I think it's really important that there's so much space and so much room. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, children do need to have, um, space from like emotions are volatile. They go up and down and all over the place. So, you know, I feel like feelings are meant to be felt and this, this, concept of like a feeling fully felt fades and what we resist persists right so if we're either if we're resisting our feelings and not not feeling them at all that causes problems And if we are going, they are sometimes a roller coaster. So if we're putting too much emphasis on them and living in the feeling world, we're going to be getting whiplash, you know? So looking at how to just breathe into our feelings, that's part of the self-care work. I talk about our awareness work is just like being wherever it is that we are. And in that moment, you, you did that and you were real. And that, and I think that that's, um, oh, that's a beautiful gift for our children. So um, there's a lot in that that I'm saying, and hopefully mm-hmm. it's not all – cotton hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> no,
0: it does. It does. That whole experience, I just keep going back to it and trying to kind of like how could I have done it differently and questioning was it okay to start crying. And I, I haven't come to an answer yet because it's to- just, it's, it felt so, like that's just what I needed to do. I was what so it is. frustrated. It it's was better it than yelling. Yeah. It was better than like
1: – Yeah, totally. And I think that, um, you know – gosh, there's so much talk about really owning and, and, um, uh, just allowing our vulnerability. Uh, Brene Brown's work. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with, with mm-hmm. Brene, but, um, oh my gosh, our vulnerability holds such, such gifts. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, I just, I don't even like evaluating, Uh, I I think that that, I think it's important to notice that that situation happened and it happened the way that it needed to, and needed to, and then if you, and then the rumble as Brene would talk about, right? Like when you're rumbling with this, like, yeah, what, how much of my emotions do I share with my child and when and how, and what felt right about this or what felt not quite right about this or, you know, and, and we're just kind of, I feel like a lot of this becomes our walking meditation, not. Rumination, not ruminating on this stuff so that it takes over our lives, but just allowing space to percolate on a little bit, see what mm-hmm. comes out and, um, and not putting so much pressure on ourselves to do it right. And to know the right thing all the time, we're just not going to, we're just, this is, this is our day-to-day, moment-to-moment living. We are doing the best we can. If we build in space in our daily life to take stock and to reflect and to think about what's most important to us and orient ourselves in alignment with our purpose and our goals and our values, like, and we show up each day ready to do that, that is like, what more could we ask? I mean, mm. that is just amazing. And they're still, we're still going to mess up and have all sorts of – but that's how we learn, right? It's like, they need to mess up. We need to mess up. Mm -hmm. Um, Those mess-ups, are they really mess-ups? I mean, they open us up and, and kind of flow us in all kinds of other different directions for our growth so i try to i just use everything i mean it's like whether it's compost or the most beautiful looking you know right plant food i don't know it's like (laughs) i i try to utilize all of it yeah i use all the i try to use all the all the parts and i think if we're building kids for resiliency and for a world that's going to be unpredictable then we got to be able to Try to teach them how to use all the parts, right? Our ancestors mm-hmm. used all the parts of the animals that they that they hunted, and I feel like our job right now is using all the parts of our experiences, not leaving anything to waste. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Analogy. It came to me the other day, and I was journaling about something, and I just was like, "Yep, yeah, I'm not. That's my. That's what I'm. I'm wanting to do. That's my intention. Yeah."
0: Um, I have an odd question, which I don't even know, um, cause I don't even know how to, but I was just trying to think of some of the, I'm trying to think of a broader perspective of the audience. Like, you know, and I know some people have kids who are nonverbal mm-hmm. and, um, can you use nonviolent communication with the people that are nonverbal? Like, I just wonder if there's mm. even a, I don't even know how to ask that question, yes. but
1: I, I I already what what came to me when you were asking that question is that NVC and Mar- Marshall um have that it's the language of the heart. So the language of the heart knows no bounds. It knows no cultural bounds, it knows no language, you know, bounds or ability bounds like the truly when we when we're dropping into the heart and we're intending to connect right. that really we do that with anyone or anything or any living being really like, mm. so, so yes. And, and it's, and oftentimes that begin like that. What happens when we start studying NVC is an energetic shift of ourselves. Um, and we are all energy sponges. That is, there, to me, there's just nothing woo-woo about it. I think people are really getting that we, we pick up on things. If we sit next mm-hmm. to someone that feels kind of weird or someone we really feel like drawn to, like that's nothing that we're seeing or smelling or tasting, it's another sense. It's, it's just another thing. And for children, especially our energy sponges and um, those who are nonverbal would have an even greater sense of that energetic shift. So that energetic shift of me not expecting you to meet my needs, but knowing that I can meet my needs and inviting you to help me meet my need or allowing you space to feel what you feel and being interested in meeting your need, 100%, absolutely, that would affect um, someone who's nonverbal. Yeah.
0: yeah. Awesome. So, so basically, like, so if people wanted to really take NVC heart or to really um, try and get a grasp of it and to break it down to that like it's that that need to connect or that mm-hmm.
1: um, how did you, yeah, yeah the intention to connect intention to connect
0: mm-hmm. and then um, and then to also that know that your need is your responsibility yeah
1: yeah
0: and then how that can look a variety of ways how all of that is
1: It's also maybe a good time to mention the mascot of NBC, the giraffe, Mm. Um, and the giraffe is the the mascot of NBC because um, they have the largest heart of any land uh, mammal. And they have that large heart in order to pump the blood up that super long neck that has perspective and can really see. Um, above the trees and have this far-reaching sight and they also have an enzyme in their saliva that allows them to eat um, acacia leaves which are and an, um, branches that are super thorny mm-hmm. so this enzyme dissolves the thorns of what they're taking in mm. so when we get good at NBC we don't hear the judgment and blame that's coming through from the other person, we hear their feelings and their needs and wonder. And and that's that empathy piece, right? Mm -hmm. Like wondering what might they be needing and what might they be feeling and what's alive in that person at that moment. So the thorns don't come in in the same way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I knew the, I knew the heart, the, of the giraffe, I had not, mm-hmm. I had not yet heard about the saliva and the thorns. Mm-hmm. That's amazing.
1: And I really like thinking of that perspective and that yeah. long neck too. Just really, just being able to see so much more, so much of what's going on in, in our interactions in our human self. Oftentimes, we don't even know what we're talking about. Like, honestly, like, the person I'm talking to may not know what's really going on inside of them, and I may not really know what's going on inside of me, and what the hell are we even talking about, you know? So I love this idea of giraffe is really being able to see clearly and see far beyond that situation where we get a little stunted and stuck. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely.
0: Well, and so then if you, if you're in a moment of, like, extreme stress or there's an audience and... You know, if you really are grounded in that intention to connect with the person, it doesn't matter what's going on. I mean, theoretically, I'm mm-hmm. because I'm not there yet. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're really operating from that place of, of trying to understand the need and connect with them, yes, it's probably easier to just forget that yes. there is an audience.
1: Yes, especially when I'm well-resourced. Mm-hmm. All behavior comes down to needs. So, and, and needs and resources could be synonymous in this, in this case. So, um, the more of my own needs that are met. So Jane Nelson, again, from positive discipline would talk about the better we feel, the better we act, the worse we feel, the worse we act. So where did we get the crazy idea Mm. that in order to make someone act better, we make them feel worse Right. because the opposite is true, right? So the more so it becomes paramount that i find ways to meet as many of my own needs as possible before i'm in a situation where i'm cut to the quick and i have so sometimes mm-hmm. i can't right sometimes sometimes life just happens and and i'm not like when my behavior is 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 what i don't want it's when my needs are screaming does that make sense mhm so um, and it's important to note that with children too, and we are not always aware of that and they are not always aware of that. but what is needed becomes the the, the paramount question what is needed? What is needed in myself what, what what are my needs? What are the child's needs? What are the needs of this situation?-hmm right the overarching needs what are the higher needs and values of this situation Like that becomes the the questions. -hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're gonna be really good and feel like, yeah, I got this. And then other times you're like, what the hell happened? I just got ran over by this situation.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, I know. Well, and that's when I've noticed like a couple times things that have come up recently that I haven't handled. You know, and it's like I can go back and look on it afterwards and be like, oh shit, I didn't ah, I didn't handle that right. It's because I just like it. I'm not expecting it to happen like there are certain situations which I know are going to be more stressful Mm -hmm. or you know but then it's like when I would just walk in the room and it's like wait what there's a shit
1: show wait what ah yeah no stop so so the thinner I let myself get mm -hmm. the more susceptible I'm going to get I'm going to be to what happens around me
0: right and I so I think that that is one of the struggles for parents of children with special needs is that there's not a lot of self care yep So
1: and again, and I think this is something, and I'm saying this for myself as much as anyone else, um, but it's it becomes a little bit about integrity with ourselves and like really just. Like, doing what we know is, is is right for us to do. Like, the, the, what's most corrosive to our well-being is when we know we should be doing something, but we're checking our freaking phone. Like, that mm. really, honestly, like, that just pops the threads of integrity we have with ourselves, right? right. Um, so, and it and it weakens the strength of our container. Um, and sometimes, sometimes self-care looks like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to look at my phone. I've got nothing left. This is where I'm at. But, um... But it's kind of like junk food. That's not going to really mm-hmm. um, serve us. It's not going to really nourish us. So whenever we And it does take work. Like self-care is not just bubble baths and like nice music or a mm-hmm. walk on the beach. It's like, but even though the walk on the beach is good, like you have to motivate yourself to get there, right?
0: That's what I do. I get up at 530 in the morning now, okay. every morning, which is fucking crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That is, but I mean, my de- my oldest you.
0: daughter has to be at school by seven. Oh, okay, yeah. And I well, yeah. I have found that now, like I can't wait for that. Like I go to bed, like okay, it gets yeah. me to bed a little sooner. Yeah. And even though sometimes when my alarm goes off, I'm like, oh. but once I do it, I get up, I get that cup of coffee, I get my journal and my pen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm just happier. So right now, so I read an article. um you know, and believe me, the irony is not lost that the article was posted by my friend on Facebook. But, uh, you know, about how the first three hours of your day are so... um influential for the rest Mm. of your day and that if we're checking our phones or being on like we actually are priming the pump for that dopamine response of likes and looking at this and looking at that and it's and a a shorter attention span and we and we lack like depth and flow in our work um then if we were to you know make sure that we basically i call it front loading so like mm-hmm. we front load the day or, or also in interactions, I use that term for interactions, like front loading an interaction with connection, you'll mm-hmm. go so much farther if right. like you front load with appreciation and, and connection, genuine, not the manipulative right. kind of like, I'm going to say this so that you'll do this thing, but genuine, you know, front loading with connection. Right. Um, and that's not even just in that moment, but at other points during the day, you're much likely to get more mm-hmm. cooperation, um, but also front-loading our, our days, um, you know, with purposeful activity, like meditating and exercising and, you know, reading a book or journaling, like paper, like mm-hmm. the, like right. really figuring out how to and And it's so doable. Most of us, it is doable. We don't want to. We bucket. We rebel against it. I do it too. But when I do do it, life flows so much mm-hmm. more smoothly. It really, really does. So it's just a matter of, you know, can we motivate ourselves to do those things and can we commit to doing that and or make a game for ourselves and um, and then also not bring in like the guilt and berating ourselves, but just getting back on the horse, like trying again, you know, right. just anywhere we can. Like it will really serve and, and just carving out that time. I was terrible at it when my kids were younger. And I was still, I was teaching this. I get terrible at it now. And I teach this stuff. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not, you know, I'm cranky. Oh, well, yeah, you know, right. you're, you're burning the candle at both ends again. Like, you know, and I, I think the difference between checking for me what I really learned recently is the difference between checking the boxes of self-care. Yes, I'm doing this. I have my community. I meditate. I'm doing I'm doing my this. But not really sinking in and absorbing deeply mm. the moments and the activities or whatever. So, and how I'm framing the rest of my life. If I'm just doing my, che- my self-care activities and I'm present during that and then I'm just like muscling my way through the rest, you know, mm-hmm. like how can I... And we're just... We're just making tiny adjustments, you know, here and there as we can and just coming back, you know, what's most important to me? What you know, where am I going? What do I want out of this day? And
0: mm-hmm. um, you
1: know, previewing the day and reviewing the day and looking at how we can just kinda and, and, and being gentle and kind to ourselves as much as possible. When we have high needs kids, just bottom line, all kids are not the same to parent. And there just are some kids who are um, take a lot more from us and and that really does then require that we up our game on getting on getting more and it seems like one more thing to do like there's already so much you guys have to do like to do this one more thing but man when you can when you can make it happen like mm-hmm. so good
0: uh, yeah well and to think like when you because when you said the first three hours of the day mm-hmm. and then and I was thinking about the kids too and how many yeah. mornings is that like okay come on we gotta go blah, blah, yeah. blah, rushing around and and this morning uh you know it flowed smoothly and I've been trying to be more conscious of like recognize that even listening to podcasts is social mm-hmm. media yeah and when they're it's around, input it's input it's distracting me from them and you know usually I'm like making breakfast listening mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. like I've been more conscious um just in the last couple of days of like not having it on when they're around. And so we ended up playing, uh, we had a little extra time when we played a game of pick up sticks and it was like five minutes. But even just those five minutes together
1: of interacting and it just makes everything so much smoother. So you just illustrated the magic of front loading connection and presence. So connection and presence are two of the most powerful tools that you have in your toolbox of parenting. They really are. They mm-hmm. really, really are. And it's amazing how, and, and it's so interesting, like my children are, are 14 and 16 now. And um, I, I have to bring myself back to like, yeah, they they when have I been fully present with them? And mm. where where is this connection point going to happen? Because it's different now. I'm not putting them to bed. I'm not, you know, like the, 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 the connection points are different. So still making sure to maintain those. Things run so much smoother when I do.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for people to realize that it really just takes even just a few moments. It does. And 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 that gives you an easier life for an extended amount of time.
1: That five minutes (laughs) can save you 25 minutes of gnarly stuff later. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like we have it sometimes. I know. I have so much compassion. I totally get it. It feels like we just don't have it to give. But man, when, when we do, we we also don't have that 25 minutes later on in the day right. to deal exactly. with. Exactly. You
0: know? Yeah. That's what you have to like look ahead. Yeah. That's a realization, the connection that needs to be made.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Very helpful. I know. And it's something that I have to keep reminding myself.
1: Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, my favorite saying is you can't get it wrong and you're never done. <laughs> This is over and over again, here we go. Let's try it this way. Let's look at it from this perspective. and if we get to you know if if we're growth oriented, mm-hmm. then it's like part of our adventure. If we feel like we have to have it all figured out or everybody else should do things so that life is easier on us, everything is gonna feel like a big pain in the ass. Right. so it's like how do I want it to feel? I Mm -hmm. want it to feel like an adventure. I want it to feel like I am expanding my capacity for joy and discomfort and my skill set and my ability to connect with people and um, to get clearer about what my purpose is and to do more of what I love and to be of more service and you know, to enjoy my family more and to hear more about who they are and to see them more clearly and to see my situations I'm involved in more accurately. And so I feel like when things go awry, it's this, it's this opportunity to look at it from a new perspective and, and to, you know, okay, what's being asked of me in this moment? How do I open to, to my depths in this situation? Like, how do I, how do I, um, how do i approach this differently next time and, and and but how can i do it with with gentleness mm-hmm. you know with gentleness and compassion for ourselves and others like we we you know we are kind of doing the best we can here we're we're figuring it out um, and mm-hmm. we don't have the option to do it perfectly so we might as well have some grace and gentleness with ourselves in the right. process that makes us nicer to be around for everyone too
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and especially i think um you know when i meet like the people that go into like special education and and uh that area like the amount of training and schooling that it takes mm. for them to get there and to think that us parents are just like yeah just one day we have it and yes to, to to I like that to definitely be gentle with ourselves and like mm. we have a lot to learn in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. um, and under like Stress microscope
1: and, <laughs> and pressure uh-huh. and so much. Yeah, yeah, all the
0: emotions that come along oh with it. Oh my gosh! And so it's definitely like.
1: And the and the, also the um, I think you know when we have um, a child who is is calling us into our depths, mm-hmm. <laughs> and calling us toward the edge of our abilities. Um, it's important to realize there is also a little bit of mourning sometimes that. That needs to happen of the mourning of the child I thought I was going to have and the child I have. I wouldn't trade the child I have for anything mm. but there's this this mourning of something I thought I was going to get mm. and also that happens just in any kind of situation right now where we have so many images of people's externally like carefully curated images on Instagram <laughs> or Facebook right. of what their life looks like and comparing that to the internal chaos of our own experiences and realizing that that, that gap is like I I personally from all the people that I've worked with, like I don't buy any of that shit. I know (laughs) what they're real. I know that there is heartbreak, misunderstandings, Mm -hmm. meltdowns, shit. There's, you know, all bodily fluids. I mean, there's just like, this is life. And, 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 and that's, I kind of like the grit of life. Like, yeah. Why would I trade that? I don't want to trade that. But but acknowledging without guilt sometimes that there's the morning of the experience of ease I thought I might have or mm-hmm. the image, letting the image go of what I thought I was going to get and, and seeing the, the wholeness um, and beauty of the situation I do have. Like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's. Um, I don't know why that came out, but that's there too. Maybe someone yeah. needed to hear that. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I love it. Yeah.
0: Just one more question. If yeah. there are like resources that you think would be good for people who um, want to learn more. I mean, I yeah. I can say you can go to YouTube and, and YouTube Marshall Rosenberg and yeah. NBC and there's just, he uses puppets.
1: Yeah. the, the that... gi- Giraffe and Jackal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You already got introduced to um, giraffe. You should definitely get introduced to Jackal. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we, we both have both of them in us. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, when I started studying MVC, that was not available. So, uh, okay. it's so great that that tool is available and there's, I would just urge people to learn from as many different teachers, you know, kind of that you can, because everyone has their own flair and their own kind of, um, lens that they are, are, um, you know, viewing the work through and, and, and it's great to learn from different people i just think that i can't stress enough the importance of of looking into um, you know your own self-care and staying well resourced and there's an app that i really love called the insight timer and it's a free meditation app and there's guided meditations or just a timer um, and i i really think that even if you can start with five minutes a day and work your way up Um, to, you know, 15, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a day of meditation. That's, I mean, it would be revolutionary for all of us to do that, Mm -hmm. but, um, but starting small, um, but yeah, the insight timer is, is, is awesome and a a great tool if you want to begin. Okay. And there's some great, you know, um, meditations for children. There's a book, um, I think it's called. Moonbeam and Starbright. There's a series of books that have guided visualizations and meditations for children. Oh, nice. And um, I've used them with my children, and it's um, really, really great, especially for um for, for kids that uh, have a hard time settling, it's a great thing to do before bed mm-hmm. or just to, to learn how to come to stillness and mm-hmm. find your place of stillness. So um, that's where we are able to cultivate our ability to listen to what we might be needing and what we might be feeling in there. Mm-hmm. So I think taking that time for stillness um, is, is like a non-negotiable on the self-care list. We all know we need to do it, and, but you're hearing it one more time, right? Just to, mm-hmm. just to find uh, find some way to bring that in yeah whether i mean because
0: i i am someone who actually is uncomfortable with meditation i'm like just really
1: Mm
0: -hmm. i'm just keep being reminded that when you know these group settings i'm in and then we do a group meditation and i'm instantly just uncomfortable and then i'm like oh i'm not breathing properly i'm not sitting right and but i could sit at a campfire and stare at that for an hour and not move and not you know and just so it doesn't have to like if you're uncomfortable with like the setting it up and I'm sitting down to meditate there are there are other ways like even just weeding a garden bed and not having music on in the background or a podcast just Mm -hmm. listening to the birds and your mind just kind of I think naturally Mm -hmm. wants to kind of yeah rest and just you know Mm -hmm. gently go through some you know I don't know but
1: it's cultivating mindfulness and stillness and space yeah absolutely just like yeah it doesn't have to be with just meditation um although i found no substitute for it and i buck okay. against it too but um but yeah spending just a little a little time in stillness whatever that looks like you could be walking okay. or sitting or watching yeah or gardening nature is the ultimate right. reset reset <laughs> button for adults and children mm-hmm. it really is it's a reset so you know when my kids were having difficulty when they were younger it's like we'd go hit the dunes where can i just go yeah, run go you out know? for a walk mm-hmm yeah let's go sit outside mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
0: well thank you so much thank i was you. so
1: excited for this talk and oh. it did not
0: disappoint at all
1: <laughs> i'm so glad well thank you <laughs> i was excited too thank you for inviting me and for doing this really important work yeah. um it's lovely to be here thank you